Hey guys, I'm Tamara Melton. And I'm Deanna Bellany. We are the co-founders of Diversify Dietetics, a nonprofit community dedicated to increasing the racial and ethnic diversity in the field of nutrition and dietetics. Welcome to Feed Me the Facts. Hey y'all, Deanna here, and I want you to imagine this. So you're taking your dietetics as a profession course or careers in nutrition or whatever the class is called, where they're telling you about all the great career opportunities that you can look forward to post-graduation. Great, right? But week after week, you're noticing a trend. All of the careers are for RDNs. But what if you don't want to pursue the RD credential? Or what if you decide to work first before going back to get your RD? Can you still excel in this profession? Our guest today is here to tell you, yes. Sabrina Bajou is the Assistant Director of Food and Nutrition at Emory University Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. She holds a BS in nutrition with a concentration in dietetics from Louisiana State University and an MBA from Texas Southern University. She is a professional affiliate of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and the Georgia Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Sabrina has over 11 years of management experience with nine years in healthcare, specifically in clinical nutrition and healthcare food service operation management. Sabrina is dedicated to helping patients heal by making good nutrition choices and improving the patient experience through sound business practices. She has been recognized for leading performance improvement projects and implementing processes to improve operational efficiency by reducing waste. Let's get into our conversation with her. Hey, Sabrina. Thanks so much for being on Feed Me the Facts. Glad to be here. Thank you, Deanna, for the invitation. So I'm really excited to talk to you today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where'd you go to school? Um, and what do you do? Okay. So I'm originally from Toronto, Ontario, but I spent the last 23 years of my life in Houston, Texas. I'm a proud immigrant born in Canada to Jamaican parents, but I consider myself a global citizen because I kind of carry a part of all the places I've lived with me, um, namely Texas and Louisiana. Mm -hmm. I have a passion for all aspects of food and nutrition. I consider myself a foodie. So from being a foodie who enjoys the culinary arts to being a healthcare professional who believes food is medicine, um, I kind of just have a passion for all aspects of it. I love to travel and engage with people from other regions and cultures and see how food really brings people together. Um, I think it's the one thing in all cultures that people kind of, you know, sit down and gather and fellowship and get together. Mm -hmm. um, it's important. Um, in every culture. As far as education, I uh, attended Louisiana State University for my undergraduate program, and that's where I earned my Bachelor of Science in Nutrition with a concentration in dietetics. And then later I earned my MBA from Texas Southern University. Currently, I am two and a half months into living in Atlanta, where I obviously recently assumed the role of Assistant Director of Food and Nutrition at um, Emory University Hospital. Awesome. That's so cool. So what led you to pursue a career in dietetics? Like I said, I've always had a passion for food and I'm a self-proclaimed foodie, mm -hmm. but growing up in a Jamaican household kind of brought a different interpretation of food um, or the meaning of food for me. Growing up as a child, food was like a, a love language. And mm -hmm. it's something that I think I continue to today, uh, continue with today. I enjoy cooking and making new and different recipes. And then I always feel like a rewarding feeling when I get my friends together and we, I put a meal together and we can kind of gather around and fellowship and enjoy. 
Um, and I think that's something I watched a lot as a child. Mm. If you ever came to my house, you were immediately offered something to eat or drink from my family. It was <laughs> mainly my father's. Like you could not come to my house without eating something. Um, so I saw how food, like I said, can, you know, can bring people together. And whether it was be it would be for the good times or you know a repast and a funeral, it was still something that was like communicated as okay, bring the food. You know, people are going to gather. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when someone was sick, food was offered before medicine. And so being raised in that type of environment, and then my mom was a registered nurse, my grandmother was a registered nurse, and wow. then, yeah, my family owns a nursing home in Canada. So it's kind of like caring for other people and food was like built into my DNA. And eventually, I think that's where my personal or professional philosophy of food as medicine kind of developed, mm-hmm. um, which is still kind of what I practice today, um, and really fueled my desire to pursue a career in nutrition and dietetics. That's awesome. Is there like a certain dish that just reminds you of home or that you like to prepare that's just like very much like a home dish that you go to to make or to prepare for others? I would probably say, well, there's a couple different things, but um, if my family or a friend would probably recommend something, my best friend always likes when I make my oxtails. So (laughs) staple. So um, delicious. So that would probably be something that I would say definitely I put a lot of love into. Love it. So that kind of leads into this next question a little bit more into looking at where you are professionally. We're talking about excelling in the profession without having the RD credential. And I I think about when I was in school, I felt like there wasn't a lot of conversation around what you could do if you decided not to pursue the RD Um, And even to like a certain extent, pursue the um, DTR credential. This is something that as a part of Diversified Dietetics, we really want to shift this narrative because we believe that, you know, we need diversity, not just for dietitians, but in the whole, you know, nutrition field as a whole. Did you have a similar experience when you were in school? Was there at LSU, did they kind of look at like, you can go down this path or you can go down this other path um, when they were talking about career opportunities? Um, So I definitely had a similar experience. Um, When I was at LSU, I never considered nor do I remember being told about alternative career paths. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I remember specifically my freshman year, there was a course we were all required to take and it was called Careers in Dietetics, but it solely focused on the pathway and process to become a registered dietitian. So uh, we did not really discuss, okay, well, if you decide not to become a dietitian, these are some opportunities that you could also um, consider. It um, probably wasn't until my senior year that I think some people that were like, okay, well, I don't want to be a dietitian. I had classmates that applied and then eventually attended medical school or some people that decided to go on to become personal trainers or other things like that. But definitely in school, becoming a dietitian was the goal. Yeah. So was there a point when you felt like you... Well, I guess, what was the point that made you decide that you weren't going to pursue the RD? Did you always know that that was the route you were going to take or what was kind of the deciding factor? So I I was like everybody else. I bought into it. I was like, I'm going to be a dietitian. This is the path that I've chosen. This is the career that I'm going to take. It makes the most sense. I love food. I like taking care of people. I was raised in this environment. And then um, it was actually um, a set of unfortunate 
and unique circumstances, I would say, that kind of put me on the path to carve out my own way with my nutrition degree. Mm -hmm. um, my mother actually had a stroke and I moved back to Texas to care for her. Mm. So I did not apply for the match and I did not apply for any, you know, dietetic internships. Um, so that kind of essentially forced me to look at alternative career paths. And it was at a time where, you know, 2008, 2009, the country, the nation was in a recession. So it wasn't yeah. like people were really hiring. Mm. So I kind of was just out there trying to figure out, um, well, what am I going to do with this degree if I don't move forward? And then eventually um, I was able to secure my first role at a nursing and rehabilitation facility. Um, being the um, director of their nutrition program. That's amazing. Yeah, I was going to ask, so you talked about that first role, but where did you decide to, like, where did you look? Because I think there's a lot of students that reach out to us that are like, I just got out of this program and I don't know, I have no idea what to do. Like, I didn't do match or I wasn't matched. What, I guess, resources did you first um, look at to help you start carving out your own path? I actually, so if there's one thing I can do, I can research. <laughs> I actually uh, started with the U.S. Labor Statistics website, and I was looking at projections for the degree that I had earned. Okay, well, do I need to go? Are there, what are the um, classifications of people that have my degree? Or is it all dietitians? Or do we have some healthcare administrators? Do we have some... Um, diabetes coordinators, there's um, community nutritionists, there's opportunities with the health inspections as far as like uh, state institution, the Department of Health and Human Services have opportunities. There's but a bunch of different, what, or I guess, pathways were listed through the labor and statistics website um, as far as, okay, what do people with this degree end up going on to do? And so that was kind of, um, well, I would say it was definitely useful for me to see what the paths I could take. Then I did a full blast on search on Google. I was, <laughs> I was like, what do I do with a nutrition degree? I literally tried every avenue as far as looking at it from, from that perspective. It's like, okay, well, I have this degree. I'm going to use my degree. What can I use it for? Um, and of course, I got told, I, or I, the struggle, I think, mostly was trying to find a place that was hiring in a, place, in a time of recession. People are not um, moving for new opportunities. People are holding down or, you know, trying to stay in the role that they do have because there's uncertainty about mm -hmm. economic future and, and whatnot. So I definitely used the internet and searching using various staffing websites or um, applications indeed, or knowing that my family had a uh, nursing home, I had experience with that. So I could look for any companies or organizations that had a nutrition department was going to look for some type of um, nutrition management role or something like that. So um, I didn't go to fast food or anything like that. A restaurant <laughs> is still an option for, um, you know, menu planning on that aspect of things. But I knew I definitely wanted to be in healthcare. Right. I wanted to be in uh, nutrition and working with patients. I think that's so smart that you went to the labor, U.S. Uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, because I think people go there, or I know I've visited there just to kind of see like, oh, what's the projected, you know, salary of dietitians or what's like the um, trend as far as will we be able to be employed? But 
just to look at like all the different jobs that, that, that people in the nutrition field have. I think that's a brilliant idea. And I know there's a lot of talk right now about a recession coming. So I think this is like very appropriately timed. Um, if that's kind of a fear that people are having and thinking about what's next, if they're currently like seniors in college or about to wrap up their, their undergrad degree. So I think that's really smart. And we'll link that just in case people, if people haven't visited that website, it's a really useful tool for a lot of things. So we'll make sure to include a link to that. And of course, I have to mention the Academy, eatright.com is mm-hmm. .org. Is, um, I'm still a member of the Academy. I still um, use, utilize resources off of there to make sure that I'm, I stay abreast of things happening in the field. So they offer a lot of the conversations that we didn't have in undergrad about pathways that you can take. There is um, literature available on that website to kind of help you gear um, what you want to do. Even if you don't necessarily want to go on to do an internship immediately, you can get the DTR credential just for completing your bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. I think the, the pathway is laid out there, but it's essentially the director of your program just needs to verify that you did complete your bachelor's degree and then you can sit for the exam. And so, you know, at least that gives you a credential um, while you try to figure out if you do want to go um, the clinical route and become a dietitian. Yeah, that's great. The Academy definitely has some really great resources. So right now, you recently, like you said, two months into your new role as the Assistant Director of Food and Nutrition at Emory. Congratulations on that. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, Can you tell us, I know you talked about your first step um, being the director at that nursing and rehabilitation facility, but what were some of the other career steps you took uh, leading up to the role? Because I would imagine a lot of people that are listening and a lot of students or, or recent grads would be interested in a role like that. What were the steps you took to get there? Okay, so um, definitely, um, like I mentioned, my first role was at the rehab and or the nursing and rehab facility in Houston. And um, I came in with a big job. I came in as the director of nutritional services. A lot of the times uh, nursing homes hire a dietary director, but I was able to use my education and my background and my experience to secure that job. And I actually worked in that role for almost four years. And honestly, it was probably in that role that I decided that I, even though circumstances prevented me from applying for an internship immediately, that I would probably not go forward and become a dietitian. Um, I was able to be exposed to both the clinical and food service management side of things. And I know most dietitians, I work with dietitians and interns now, they do their food, um, service management rotation with me. And so I know it's the dreaded (laughs) portion of the internship, but I enjoyed it. I, um, so that was kind of where I was able to say, okay, well, I get the best of both worlds. I'm still, um, able to complete clinical notes and make rounds and attend patient care planning meetings, um, to help improve patient conditions. But then I was also able to do menu design and then create new recipes. And of course I was working at a nursing home, so it was a elderly and aging population. Um, so it was, you know, it was fulfilling in the fact that I was able to contribute mm-hmm. to them during essentially some end life stages that they were going through. The, like the leadership the leadership role, which is pretty amazing, especially right out of school that I think a lot of people um, want to have to be in that kind of managerial leadership position. I think that's, that's amazing that you were able to get that right out of school. Right. And that's, I think, goes back to making sure that you're very involved in, in college and your undergraduate career that you, um, I think, what was able to successfully transition me there or 
my resume reflected the fact that I was president of my sorority for three years. Then I was also a resident assistant, a senior resident assistant. Like I had leadership and management experience coming into it. So if you can develop yourself um, as much as possible for those that you said are, you know, listening and that are still an undergrad, if there's opportunities for you to take advantage of developing some of those skills that companies are looking for, then take advantage of it and make sure that you do that, that you stay involved and that you seek those leadership roles. Um, it makes you more competitive in the end. But going back to my career path, I ended up leaving the nursing home because um, death became a regular occurrence. I was starting, you know, and I was younger. I would have instances where I would go home for the weekend and then I'd come back on Monday and three people passed away. Mm. And so kind of wearing on me as, you know, I was building relationships with these patients. These patients lived where I worked, you know, so it was kind of one of those, you know, you get an extra set of grandparents when you, when you work at a nursing home and mm -hmm. you those connections and you have those meaningful relationships. And so it was kind of taking a toll on me and I wanted to try to care for a different population. So I ended up applying. I figured, okay, well, I'm, I've done end of life stages. Maybe I go to the beginning and work with children. Yeah. So I applied to WIC, actually. There was some management roles um, and a lot of the roles available to nutritionists or people without the RD credential are government-based. So if there's a starting opportunity while you're thinking about it, you can get your feet wet and learn or discover if you even like clinicals because MNT in the classroom and MNT <laughs> in the real world are very different. Absolutely. And so I um, applied to both WIC and then MD Anderson Cancer Center. Figured cancer, a lot of people are like, well, if you were you know, trying to get away from death, why would you go to a cancer hospital? But the way MD Anderson treats cancer or tries to cure cancer, you know, um, it is an environment of hope and not necessarily you're coming here to pass on. And so nursing homes are a very different animal compared to, or for me, it was compared to working at a cancer hospital. Yeah. I actually received offers from both um, WIC and MD Anderson and MD Anderson's been the number one cancer hospital in the world for like 15 years. Right. For me, it was a no brainer. I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know what? I love, you know, I would love to work with kids. I love, I have a passion for kids as well, but I'll take the opportunity to work for, you know, this prestigious hospital. So I couldn't turn that down and I ended up spending six years there. Yeah, I probably learned a tremendous amount there in addition to the nursing home. Um, I was able to be exposed to clinical nutrition for oncology patients and yeah. still food service management, but um, MD Anderson ran a hotel style room service program. So it wasn't your traditional, it was like the next level of food service for patients that are going through the most critical time of their life. So again, I found it to be very fulfilling work. I felt like, you know, I, I joke and I would say I'm doing God's work um, because mm -hmm we were taking care of people that were in such a critical point of their life. But then I was working on um, getting my MBA because I did find that I was enjoying the management and operations aspect of my job more. Yeah. I decided to go business instead of getting like a master's in nutrition and then maybe going on to get my RD. I will tell people this, if they are unsure about going forward with their RD credential, try to decide as quickly as possible because your sciences expire after five years. Oh, so, wow. So you want to be mindful of the fact that if you took 
science or your medical nutrition therapy classes five years ago, you know, like within that five-year range is when you want to kind of make a decision on what you're going to do because you don't want to have to retake all your, all your courses again. No, that would be painful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so after, you know, I found out I was working on my, um, completing my MBA, I started looking for opportunities that I could utilize a different my skill set, my business skill set, um, since I've always had a pretty strong sense for business. And I guess that's how I ended up at Emory, being able to, to secure the assistant director role. And I'm excited about it, definitely. I am um, looking forward to being able to make an impact here in Atlanta. That's amazing. And I think I, I love the fact that you were, you stayed at each of those roles and really like soaked up all the information that you possibly could. I think, you know, people that are in that millennial age range or even um, kind of get a bad rep of like bouncing from job to job. But I think when you find a job that you feel very fulfilled in and know that you can keep learning from, it just is, is really amazing to see and then take whatever you learn from there and transfer it to the next place. I think that's a r- really great example of that. I, I agree. I think um, I try not to leave someplace before I've learned everything that I can from there. And I've had amazing mentors. Kelly Britton was the dietitian that I worked with at the nursing home, and she had a huge role in, um, I think, me being successful as I as I consider myself successful today. Yeah. And then Mohammed, um, uh, my boss at MD Anderson, definitely had a huge hand in developing me um, as a manager and kind of fostering as an unofficial but official mentor for me, um, my skills on the room service management side. So I definitely, it wasn't like I did this on my own. I had strong people kind of um, show me the way. That's great. So thinking back through all of your experiences, I'm sure you've been involved in a lot of really interesting projects. Can you talk through one of your favorite work-related projects that you've worked on? So I would say menu revision is probably my favorite time of year <laughs> when it comes to any place that I've worked at. It allows me the opportunity to merge my passion for cooking and new recipes. And it's kind of challenging because you do have patients that are on a renal diet or they're diabetic or they're, you know, um, on some restrictive diet where, yes, you want to try the foods that are on trend and you want to move forward to, um, and you still want to make it uh, taste good and be of nutritional value. So I think anytime um, I get to do a menu revision mm-hmm. is probably the favorite time because basically you you work with an amazing culinary team to create new recipes and then you get to sample everything and say, oh, okay, well, this amazing. Yeah. And I have incredible executive chefs and incredible sous chefs that I get to work with. So cool. And yeah. It's a, probably one of my favorite positions that, um, that I work with is that they have all this talent and then you say, okay, well, they can't have this amount of protein or they have to avoid these types of foods and let's solve this equation to make sure that the food still is nutritional, but it also has to taste really good. So that's probably my favorite or hiring. Anytime I hire a new chef, I always have them do a a version of like an iron chef competition where they have to come there, like prepare, you know, a dish that speaks to your personality and then prepare a dish that would be great for a renal patient or prepare your favorite dessert, like give them like a three item, three, you know, dishes that they need to make in order to interview for the job. Essentially, you know, it's one thing to put on your resume that you can cook. And then it's another thing to be in the kitchen. (laughs) Wow. So do they really have, they have to cook it or they just have to create a menu? 
oh no, I, I have him cook. I have him Wow, cook. that's so cool. Yeah, it was probably one of the, my favorite, probably one of the things that my staff enjoyed that I implemented the most. But we were having challenges where people would come in and list all these culinary skills and then get the job and have difficulty making basic things, basic sauces, just basic items. And so we challenged that by, or corrected for it by saying, okay, as part of their interview process, let's do a skills assessment, you know? And so we do, an well, in my past, uh, I haven't had to hire a chef at Emory yet, but in my past, we would do a an entree that would be best for a cancer patient and then a entree that spoke to them, whether it be cultural or personality, something that's their favorite to kind of speak to their style of cooking as a chef and then a dessert of sorts that they felt, you know, we could um, market, of course, to the um, cancer population as well. That's really cool. And then everyone just got to try all the food. Yes. <laughs> that's the best part. <laughs> That's very cool. So you are a woman of color, you're an immigrant, you're in a leadership role at a major hospital and, you know, representation um, and all of those fronts is so important. Um, Even though you're still new in your role, are there any key lessons that you've learned that you would tell your younger self or you would tell um, someone else that's interested um, in maybe following a similar path? I would say speak up every time, never shrink yourself. I think because I started in such a large leadership role at such a young age, I knew things sometimes and I didn't necessarily say them Mm. um, because I was waiting for somebody else to say it. Or, you know, I was, there was a fear or an insecurity that I'm new to the team. I can't say anything yet. Or I need, if you are in that room, you're in that room for a reason. You belong, your knowledge, your expertise is what brought you there. So understand that you have something of value to add. I will say that as a woman, unfortunately, or what they say, we're a double minority when you're a woman uh-huh. and then you're a minority, that we're socialized to maybe not make waves and keep peace. But if you do choose a path that you're in healthcare, sometimes keeping the peace and not making waves will have a direct patient impact. Uh-huh. Speak up every time, never shrink yourself. If you know what's wrong, it's wrong. If you know what's right, it's right. And not to let fear take control. That would be what I tell my younger self, like, Girl, you know this. Go ahead. <laughs> you got this. Yeah, that's so great. And I think I was just reading, I'm reading, what's her name? Elaine Walteroth's book right now, the first African-American editor-in-chief at Teen Vogue. And there was yeah. a line I read yesterday that was just like, women are never taught to get comfortable making people uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I think that like, it speaks to a very similar theme where it's just like, you feel like maybe you shouldn't speak up or if you disagree with somebody that, you know, you don't want them to feel uncomfortable or like they're wrong, but like, you know what you're doing and like, you've trained to do this. You're in this position for a reason. Mm-hmm. So just like you said, speak up every time and never shrink yourself. That's amazing. Kind of to a similar kind of giving advice, maybe for someone that is specifically a person of color, because that's who our podcast is really targeted towards, but is interested in being in the nutrition field, specifically wanting to be a leader in this field. But honestly, like the pathway is, is not the most, it's not the easiest pathway. There's a lot of barriers to access. Um, so let's say they, they don't want to pursue that RDN credential. Outside of deciding as soon as they possibly can, is there anything else that you would kind of impart to that person? I would say that make sure that you're sure. Like you yeah. said, 
you want to decide as quickly as possible. Um, of course, I mentioned the five years of your science is expiring, but mm -hmm. if there is something that you are passionate about, the time and resources it takes to go forward with a dietetic internship and then to say, you know what, this isn't necessarily for me, I would hate for any person to to, to experience that. So as soon as you can figure out what is it in nutrition that you're passionate about? Is it the fitness aspect of it and you want to help people, you know, be their best versions of themselves physically, you know, being able to identify what area of nutrition even led you to getting your bachelor's degree in it, mm. you know? And once you narrow that down to kind of start looking immediately like, okay, well, this is if I know that I don't want to do clinicals and I know that I don't want to be in the hospital, volunteer, go to food banks, go to um, nursing homes, do the bedside stuff, see if you're comfortable in the room. You know, I know that there were times where I would go into the room and patients are in the middle of something, or maybe you're not the person that likes to deal with bodily fluids or, you know, somebody with tubes all in them. I know some people that that's a culture shock for them to go into the hospital and see, you know, patients hooked up to machines, like know your sensitivities, right? Try to identify what you think you can and cannot handle. But the biggest thing is like narrowing down what you're passionate about. If you are in nutrition, but don't want to move forward with um, the RD credential. But I would never discourage someone. If you go through and you're unsure, then it's a profession that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. I work with dietitians every day and mm -hmm. I believe food is medicine. I know the benefit of the role of a dietitian in a patient in patient care. But if you're unsure, uncertain, you have some time to kind of ask yourself those questions. Like what is, what about nutrition do I want to do? What, what pathway do I want to go? Um, do I want to follow? And once you can identify that, I think you'll have a better time um, carving out um, the path that you take. Like I said, for me, it was business. I like business. Um, I am business minded. So it made sense for me to go into food service management and, and take that path. But identifying your, your strong points is definitely where you would want to start. So if a student or someone in school is wanting to volunteer in a hospital, I know that's a skill set that a lot of people kind of, like you said, like should, should fill out and maybe try out when they're in this path of deciding what they want to do. What's the best way to do that? Find a hospital. Most of them have volunteering pro volunteer uh, services or some type of program where you can just um, sign up over the summer. I know I'm in the hospital that and I can speak to the Texas Medical Center. Every hospital in the Texas Medical Center allows, I think you have to be at least 16. Um, so if you're in college, you definitely qualify. Yeah. But if you want to be able to do things that um, bedside things, I know that there's um, sitters. You can just sit in the room with a patient just so that they have something, maybe somebody that um, I know at the nursing home, we had people come in to play bingo with the patients um, just to be able to get some of that experience. Now, a lot of it, you won't be able to get hands-on clinical, but if you can put yourself into the um, healthcare atmosphere, you can determine whether or not it's something that I could come here every day or, you know what, this definitely isn't the type of environment for me. Yeah. Um, I think some exposure is better than no exposure. Um, and then um, there are some programs where you can do um, internships at a hospital um, and kind of do like a rotations. I know we've done at MD Anderson, we had a program that uh, 
it actually worked with high school students, but I'm sure that they would expand it if somebody else wanted to get the experience where you could come in and just kind of do like a food service, like a round kind of thing, like mm. work and at least speak to some of the um, food service managers and be able to, to pick their brains on things like that. Yeah. The biggest thing is don't tell yourself no. If you're interested in doing it, you can create the opportunity for yourself. If you say, hey, this is what I want to do, go to the hospital, see if it even exists, call the hospital, see if it even exists, mm-hmm. talk to people, and don't be afraid. If you have to create your own opportunity, I definitely believe in that because I, I did it for myself. Yeah. So, so don't tell yourself, no, let somebody else say that you can't, you can't do it here or it's against policy or against something. But if you don't even ask, then you're already in, I mean, you're in no better shape than where you were. I think that's a beautiful note to end on. Thank you so much, Sabrina, for talking with us today. You're very welcome. Thank you again for the invitation, Deanna. I appreciate being able to to share my experiences. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Feed Me the Facts. You can find past episodes and this episode on our website, www.diversifydietetics.org, as well as on the Apple Podcast app. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, rate, and leave a review. Last but not least, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, at Diversify Dietetics.